fun fact, the Judgment Night soundtrack was a huge hit soundtrack in the 90s, and the directors come out and said that, hey, he thinks the soundtrack is more popular than the movie. We just got a copyright strike before Why? we no, get you 10 put, fucking subscribers. You're putting that <laughs> bad juju in the air. It's fair fair use, man. It was 10 seconds. Uh, it was a tribute to that great song from the Judgment Night soundtrack, which, hey, I'm bumping that song in my car every day for the next week in honor of Judgment Night. So, folks, we're back. And welcome the movie fellas. You know the name, of course. We have Nitpick Nick Arcana here and Punyon Vic which I don't like saying, but whatever. It's um, your new nickname. Vikazim, also known as The Punion. The Punion. The Punion Sure. <laughs> Can I at least be like The Punisher, but The Punion Sure? Punion Sure. Punion Sure. <laughs> I punish those who don't properly use puns, uh, thus punishing myself. <laughs> uh, um, and punishing me, because I got to hear this bullshit. Hey, well, you're contractually obligated to sit there and take on the puns as they come. So so I got I got a joke for you. My wife is mad I don't get her any flowers. Right. But uh, I didn't know she sold flowers. What? <laughs> My wife is mad that, she de- that I don't buy her flowers. Yes. I didn't know she sold flowers. Oh, that's not really a pun, but it still works though. It's all right. I mean, and I'm a cat dad, so I can say I'm, I even got the dad bod. You're a feline father. All right. Well, so anyways, moving on. Uh, so folks, today we're doing Judgment Night from 1993. According to my research, the director Stephen Hopkins also made uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five. Was his first movie. Now, I'm thinking back to our review of the Nightmare series, and I don't think that was one of our favorites in this series. I think that was the le- probably the least favorite be. I think so. Uh, when it comes to the original Nightmare movies, that would probably be my least favorite. I agree. But he did go on after Nightmare to make Predator 2, and then this movie. And Predator 2 is kind of in... Well, we're going to do a podcast on that eventually, but I feel like it's pretty underrated. Yeah. I mean, what other movie do you get Danny Glover having a sword fight with an alien? Lethal Weapon 3. I said a sword fight. Lethal Weapon 4. Lethal well, at least he fights, but... One of the Lethal Weapons. Emilio Estevez, the first time I saw him was in the My Duck movies. Yep. And I uh, did My Ducks and D2 and D3 and... I'm kind of surprised he's not in the new Mighty Ducks show that's out now. He was in the first season. He was. Yeah. No. But since we're talking about Mighty Ducks, I got to mention, there's an actor from Letterkenny who plays... In the Mighty Ducks. Really? Yeah, there's a guy on the with the long hair. He's a coach of one of the antagonist crew antagonist groups. Hmm. Long hair, looks kind of doofy, blonde. In hmm. Letterkenny, he's known as Jonesy. Huh. Interesting. Well, you know, I'd like to think that one day we'll review the Mighty Ducks series, but I just don't see it. It's not necessarily a series I want to revisit. Maybe say, we'll but. stick with just D2 because it's the only one I remember. <laughs> well, I don't remember part one. Well, D3 had them against like the Olympic people, the prep school teenagers. I know I didn't. They were all much older and Keenan was like right about to do Keenan and Kel. So it was like a weird. Yeah, I, rem- I only remember part two. All right. Well, and I, I barely remember that. I think I remember heavyweights more than part two. Well, you know, maybe I'm crazy, but maybe this is a thing because... I do remember D2 more than the first one. The first one's like a blank in my head, but I remember D2 because that's when Keenan first came into it. Yeah. and uh, He had the knuckle puck. Yeah. And my knuckle puck. <laughs> well, another good movie for us to do eventually, Heavyweights with Ben Stiller. Yes. Especially since I'm fat. Did you ever see uh, Camp Nowhere? No. It's in the same mold, kind of the same couple years period, but it was these kids, um, they make up an imaginary summer camp to go to for the summer. All the, the kids go there, and they have one cool adult counselor who's helping them fool their parents, and 
yeah, I think no, goes, but it's very similar. Heavyweight. And then eventually, it turns out to be a, a slasher movie because then all the kids start dying. Well, they didn't know that they created a fake camp at Crystal Lake, and then they all died. <sighs> Jason came and killed them. So yeah, because Jason stopped giving a shit about not killing kids. What about the Breakfast Club? You ever seen the Breakfast? That Club? That one I've seen. That's a very young Emilio Estevez. A long Estevez. time ago. It's a young Emilio Estevez and Young Guns for the Emilio Estevez. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's the one we got to do eventually. Emilio Estevez is pretty... I always like him in the, the movies he's in. He's very um, he's very likable. and um, But this was definitely at the tail end of his acting career. After this movie, he pretty much went behind the scenes, became a director, producer. So this was like his last hurrah as like a main actor, I would say. But they originally wanted... Uh, both Tom Cruise and John Travolta but everybody was passing on the movie so at the last second production was about to start a week from now or a week later they were like desperate to find an actor so they came to Emilio and Emilio negotiated a four million payday which is about twice of his normal payday because they were on such a time crunch to find the actor so good for Emilio he got paid way more than what he normally gets paid for this movie which is funny cause, well I guess Cuba Gooding Jr. wasn't as high paid as Emilio at this point was he? no this is Cuba after Boys in the Hood but not really any starring vehicles since Boys in the Hood I feel like uh, he was in A Few Good Men for a couple scenes I'm trying to remember some other he hadn't, I done, know, I, he I hadn't done Jerry Maguire yet I know there's a few movies he was in that I like, but I can't remember them to save my life. There's a boxing movie with him called Gladiators that's really good, mm. but nobody's seen it. Um, uh, wasn't he also in Norbit? That was a long time later on. <laughs> Still. I mean, he's had been a lot of movies. I mean, <laughs> I mean, of course, we know about Snow Dogs, and that was probably... That's the, the one I'm trying to think of. That's the beginning of his downfall, actually, I think. Hey, I like Snow Dogs, probably because of the dogs. You're actually, like, it is the dogs. Yeah, you're the only one that likes that one, so... The dogs... I all, love the dogs. All, the dogs are nice. You know, they say, they say all snow dogs go to heaven. So, Hey, eventually we'll get that movie. Yeah, damn it. No, I'm not trying to give you any ideas. <laughs> no ideas I'm trying to give you here. Um, too late. <laughs> no, look. So the cast is all pretty much, they're catching the actors at the very beginning stages. Amelia's is maybe at the end. Like Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff. This is five years away from him becoming fucking Deacon Frost and Blade. Right. And from this performance, you would never project, oh, he's going to be a villain in a movie five years later against fucking Wesley Snipes. Even though one of his, one of his uh, first movies, Stephen Dorff's first movies, was The Gate, when he was actually probably 13, if not younger. See, I don't remember that. That yeah. one, all I remember about it is he was a kid, he accidentally opened up a gate of hell, and a bunch of demons tries to kill him, his friend, his sister... And eventually ends with some giant-ass demon coming out of a hole of his house. Wow. And we have, actually, the villain here, Dennis Leary, who back in the early 90s actually was a successful stand-up comedian, had his own show on MTV. He also was, later on plays De- uh, Diego from the Ice Age movies. He's the Sabretooth. And there's a good TV show called Rescue Me about Firemen. Yep. He's <sighs> solid in that, too. So, so this cast is pretty amazing. And then you have, actually, even Jeremy Piven, who plays Ray. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Entourage. Nope. He's a beast on the show Entourage. Great actor. Um, and one of the bad guy roles, one of uh, Dennis Leary's henchmen is, his name is Eric something, but he's like a bad guy in a bunch of 90s movies. He's a bad guy in The Mask, in Blue Streak. Oh, yeah. You're talking about Sykes. Yeah, Sykes is one of those faces like you just immediately recognize him when you see him. Yeah, because I remember when I first saw him, I was like, what the fuck? Where have I seen that motherfucker before? <laughs> He just has one of those faces. He always shows up as either like the second bad guy or the main bad guy, depending on, I guess. Blue Streak, I think he was the main bad guy. The Mask, he's the main bad guy. He's he's in a bunch of movies in the 90s. And then finally, the other henchman is actually 
the dude from the rap group Cypress Hill. Which one? The the, the Spanish looking dude or the long No, the dude? Uh, the bald headed dude. Oh, the bald headed dude. The one that lives to the very end. He's oh, actually okay. from the Cypress Hill. Was like a big rap group back in the day. So the movie, but they put a lot of budget and marketing behind the movie. It just it didn't work at the box office at all. Um, I don't see. I'm starting to think nobody just went and saw this movie because anyone who saw this movie, I'm assuming most likely liked it. There's a YouTube video that I because I was looking up on YouTube and there's a YouTube video called I guess the channel is called like um, movies that you should have seen. It's like highlighting. Andre movies that nobody heard of, and they have like a, a 15 minute 15 minute video about Judgment Night. I would recommend check it out because it has a lot of behind the scenes details. Mm. And the director had done like a 25 year screening for it back in 2018, and he said he was happy with it. And he said that pretty much the soundtrack ended up being like a bigger deal than the movie itself. <laughs> he said himself, um, but he was happy with it. But um, I mean, and he wanted Kevin Spacey to be the the main villain at first but they couldn't get him so Kevin Spacey would have done pretty good with it I'm just wondering if they still would have had a fight scene because I've never seen Kevin Spacey in an actual fight in any of the movies he's done I don't know I've never seen I don't think I've seen his older stuff yeah but I don't think Dennis Larry fights anybody per se here he fights at the very end he beats the living hell out of Frank before Frank yeah before he starts taunting Frank but it wasn't like much. it wasn't like real fighting mm-hmm. though. it was like kind of that stage sort of villain fighting but it wasn't like an actual like, he, he it wasn't some bloody. greatly choreographed fight scene is all I'm saying. Oh, no. It wasn't no martial arts. None of them had no yeah. martial arts. It was probably like one day of like, all right, you it, do it this, still, punch him. So. But it's still classified as a fight scene. I think Kevin Spacey might be shorter than Emilio Estevez. So Most likely. I don't think he'd have like the, like Dennis Lurie at least has a somewhat physical intimidating presence. Mm-hmm. I don't think Spacey would have been, Spacey's a, a good talker, but I don't think he can necessarily fill the role of like intimidating physically. Right. Which you have to be, you have to believe that he's telling those other people what to do. The people that are following him. And I don't right. think Spacey would, would do that. So, but anyways, we'll, let's go through it. So basically we kind of went through the, the cast here and they're introduced as a friendship group uh, we have Emilio playing Frank, who recently... Just had a baby three months ago. Yes, and as he's getting ready to go out for a fi- go to a fight with his friends, supposedly this is the first time he's left the house in three months, which... He's complaining about, even though if you just had a baby, I'm pretty sure that baby probably comes first. Well, I think... <laughs> I think it's a built-in expectation that at least for a few months, you're probably going to be in the house. Oh, hell yeah. So I thought it was bad writing to say, oh, he's been suffocated for three months in the house. Oh, my God, three months. I, I got to get out the house. And you're telling me he doesn't leave the house for work? I mean, I, we don't know what he does We don't does know what the hell us. he does. But he also mentioned in the throwaway line, you know, Linda's been giving me shit since I got home. It's like, or is this got home from work or did you, were you gone for a while and then had the baby? Yeah, and, and she she says that, oh, she hasn't been out the house for three months either. Yep. So it's kind of like, okay, a quick fix here is just someone should have said, hey, why don't we make this more impactful and just be like, hey, like say 10 months. Or a year. A year. Then you can be like, oh, he's, he's desperate to get out to see his friends. He's been only in the house for a year. And then you can have the tension there. But three months is like, you know, sometimes without the baby, you go three months without seeing your friends. Right. It's like normal. So there's some misguided tension there, basically. We see... Cuba's playing Mike, mm-hmm. uh, who is his friend who apparently his wife doesn't like because he apparently... Because he danced weird at He danced birthday. weird. It's funny. <laughs> um, Which also, uh, I think they said that the Frank and the wife actually aren't were only married for about two years now at yes. this point. 
Yeah. So they haven't been married long. <laughs> no, he says to he says I've been married that woman for two years. And she don't like you. Oh no. Mike says she doesn't like him. And then Frank goes, oh, yeah, she does. Oh, yeah, remember your birthday party? But, <laughs> but she indicates she doesn't like him. She tells Frank, she's like... You need better friends. You need, she tells him to upgrade his friends. He's like, holy shit. He's like, your friends are mature, blah, blah. So I don't so, know about you, but for me, that is a deal breaker. It's like, you, I am fine with whoever friends you have. I will be fine with them. Even if I don't like them, I'm not going to sit there and tell you, you need better friends. Hell no. So I don't expect... Yeah. I expect the same thing back. You don't like them, fine. Just do, just don't sit there and tell me I need better friends. Unless you know for a fact they're doing something wrong. I, I feel like... And I feel like these are all long-term friends that Frank has. Oh, they... They've yeah. probably been friends for a long time. But they have and at least, Especially Frank and Mike. Right. They go back a long time. So the fact that Mike is like, your wife doesn't like me, that means the wife probably just came on the scene within the last few years. Mm-hmm. So Frank kind of sold out and probably... We, I mean, to be fair, he's not actually getting new friends, but you're right. He should check his wife and be like, hey, you know, you have your friend Peggy, whoever it is. You know, these are my friends. Doesn't mean I'm going to have to hit, I'm gonna hang out with them all the time, but doesn't mean I'm going to get better friends. Right. And now it does seem like she's a little bit more cordial with Ray. She seems to actually te- uh, tease Ray back just as Ray's teasing her. Yeah, but that's just because I, Ray is like a, a, has a high social intelligence. So he's like, all right. He probably sensed what was going on. I was like, let me try to make her laugh to, like, be likable. Right. Whereas Mike is just like... Yeah, she don't like me. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll be back at 8 a.m. <laughs> and she's already like, this is Vacuum Dumb this motherfucker. Yeah, Mike, but still, so, again... Mike makes a bad impression because he comes in the neighborhood and he's, like, hitting on the neighbor. Okay, so she's watching. Single. Of course he's going. So that, that's a good little thing because you can she's, she's watching from the neighbors. So that already informs her to be like, well, Mike's picking up his date for the night. So he's, it's, it's all feeding into how she already sees them. So, yeah, but and then Ray shows up in the fucking camper. So <laughs> that was that was completely out of nowhere, out of left field for me when I first. Because I'm pretty sure this is the very first time I've seen this movie. I know you've said we've watched it before, but I don't remember anything about this wow. movie. So my question is, uh, if Ray didn't bring the camper, what the hell was the transportation plan? Because clearly they're they're shocked by like, what the fuck is this camper? So it's like. Was Ray coming to pick them up in like a van or something? Like, I guess. I mean, we don't know exactly what. I, I know for Mike's car, they're not taking Mike's car. He had a small. Yeah, most likely only a two-person seater. There's, yeah. And there's four people going because eventually you meet John, who's played by Stephen Dorff. Yeah. So basically, Ray tells us, of course, he conned the dealer to taking the the camper. So Ray's the con man out of the group. Definitely a con man and. And then uh, the, there's some other guy, I guess, that was supposed to come but didn't come. Yeah, Eric. I think they called him. So wait, 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 wait till Eric hears the story about what happened to his friends that night because he's going to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he'll never meet Ray again. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that later because I'm thinking about the aftermath. But they find out that Emilio, Frank has invited his little brother. And Steven Dorff pulls up. Almost rams into the camper. <laughs> and it's so weird. The movie sets this dude up like. A hothead. How he's dressed and how he's driving. It looks like he's going to be like the hothead badass that or something right and there's some weird tension between him and frank that we never actually get anything about yeah that's a big problem because there's some weird tension there in the first few scenes that then never really comes back in the movie it's almost like they forgot to pay that off so um but i gotta say already even ray the con man they have such a fun friend guy rapport that i'm already digging them because 
they just they they're talking they're busting each other's balls in a way that guy friends do when they hang out it feels like they're actually really friends right um and we get a few snippets of at least with mike and frank we get a few snippets that mike and frank used to be the neighborhood badasses yeah because some dude won't let them cut in front of them in traffic right and again they're still feeding into this idea that steven dorf is some kind of badass because he's the one instigating and be like hey asshole let us in he's like fuck you asshole uh, you want a piece of me and then finally so they <laughs> This whole Steven Dorff is a badass thing gets dropped after this, like, first five minutes. Right. The rest of the movie's not going to show up, but he's the one, like, getting a fight with the dude, and the dude probably would kick his ass, what mm-hmm. it looks like, but then Cuba steps in. And yeah, and he obviously knows the chicken wing. He did that shit quick and on, <laughs> on point. And the guy's like, all right, get off me! Yeah, and then we, and this is one of the snippets we hear that Frank used to be a fighter, because even uh, Mike's like... Yeah, you should have seen him back in the day. He'd be able to kick my ass. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like, your your brother would have dropped that dude back in the day, and and Ray's the only one who's like, can we stop showboating here? So Ray was never a fighter. If, oh, even if tell. he was with the crew the whole time, he most likely was always the one that would get him out of the trouble. <laughs> well, look, Ray don't got to fight. He got that gun. <laughs> he, he's also got a he's, got, he's also got his mouth. <laughs> oh yeah, Ray can almost talk himself. Almost out of anything, as we'll get to later. But, yeah, and then there's a, there's a line about, hey, you're not his father. So there's, again, some weird tension between... Which makes me wonder, and, is it possible that maybe their father died so Frank had to kind of take over a father role for him? I don't, I don't like when, uh, when you say that to your big brother, like, you're not my father. It's like... He's not trying to be. <laughs> yeah, but in a weird way, your big brother is sort of um, a surrogate father. Right. Like, it's kind of a thing to your father like you do take your big brother's advice and stuff like that so it's like the you're not his father it's like say it to your friend don't say that to your actual big brother though. yeah like i said it makes me think that maybe their father died and frank had to take care of john when they were younger but something happened lately and maybe i'll just come out and say maybe this girl came into life and just made all these friendships like kind of go down so, so maybe frank she's life, the do- common denominator yeah. since she came along frank has been I mean, uh, I know for me personally, I would have dropped her. But um, can you really blame maybe Frank she when tr- she's that beautiful? Maybe she got pregnant and dropped him. Yeah, she. I mean, she is a beautiful woman. She's beautiful, but yeah, I mean... Remember, don't stick your dick in crazy. No, don't. But you got to find the balance because what Frank is doing going this side with his friends, it doesn't have to be once a month. It can be even like once a year, once every six months. But you have to have that component right. to keep your sanity. You can spend all your day-to-day with the girl, but you got to go out with the fellas, your old friends, and talk about all the stuff you used to talk about. Maybe even like once a year, but it has to be acceptable for the girl to know that, hey, my husband will need this sometimes. It doesn't mean like every day he's hanging out with him anymore. That's gone, but, you know, sometimes I it's mean, okay. I, yeah. And to be honest, it may not, because right now, like I said, uh, the only real social interaction I have besides my wife is you every other week. Are you talking? Are you saying that your frequent back and forth emails with Jeremy from Idaho is not social interaction? Because Jeremy's going to be offended, man. He feels like he has a pen pal friend there, and I know you're only talking to him so you can, you know, get that secret email from his mom, and that ain't right. But that is social <laughs> interaction, my friend. So, I mean, uh, my my wife's fine with it, but that's probably because you know she knows it ain't going to happen. Yeah. No, no redhead's going to give me the time of day. Um, 
This is true. Uh, but, I, I, I'd love to be encouraging. But, but then I, you got, I have a brother up in D.C. I'd only, only see him maybe once a month. I got a brother in Roanoke. I only see him like every six months. So if you had a, the question is if you had a group of friends who, let's say, a couple times a year, it was like a tradition that you go somewhere, some kind of trip or do something. The girl's got to be like, okay, well, listen, this is something you do once a year. Keep doing it. Mm-hmm. It can't be like, all right, well, that's got to go now that you're part of my life. I just don't like that controlling factor. Either. No, that's like I said, if my wife did that to me. She, I, we wouldn't be married anymore. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, in this movie, the girl's going to be proven right because the one time <laughs> Emil goes out, all shit's about to go to hell because Ray decides, hey, I don't want to miss this fight. I'm taking a scenic route. I mean, to be fair, there is a fight in this movie. That's true, but Ray's not going to see it. So. Nope. He wants that boxing fight, so he turns off onto a little side road, and we end up with them in some kind of city that, best I can tell, is like the city from the movie The Crow, or like there's a huge, beautiful horror atmosphere when they're driving down this abandoned road. It's shot very well. You got the damn papers flying around. It looks abandoned. And you're like... And they have a gun. They have a gun. Luckily, uh, Ray brought a gun, and we get this great scene of them stopping to ask the homeless people <laughs> for directions. Hey, where the welcome wagon? And you get the homeless person like, show me what you got. Pulls out the <laughs> the white. The, the yeah. white. He's, he's like, he's like, ha! He's like, ah! Just slap my. Then they, uh, yeah, you think the homeless people are just having a fun with them, and then when they drive off, the homeless people get mad and start chucking stuff at them. It's like. I thought y'all were just having fun with them. Yeah, that was the welcome act. Why are you mad? <laughs> now, unfortunately, they decide to look for a map and do that. They hit Teddy. They got to distract Ray, who's driving and who's also, let's say, half drunk. And they hit Teddy, who actually is... Shot. And that's actually... I don't know if you ever seen... You ever seen the TV show New York Undercover? No. It's an old cop show, but uh, one, of main, one of the main cops was Torres, and that's his dude they just hit. He's a good actor, too. Well, then why didn't he have a gun on him? Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was off. Why did he let himself get shot? He was suspended off duty. Something. Um, Okay, so my thing is... All right, we hit the guy. Yep. Okay, maybe it's reasonable to be like, hey... Because Ray's like, hey... I'm drunk as shit. Ray's like, let's just keep going. But they're like, stop it, Ray. They go check him out. Maybe it's reasonable to say, hey, let's bring him on to the camper. Which they do. But... They find out pretty quickly that he's been shot. Yes. And Ray makes the astute observation, hey, somebody shot him, we could all be in danger. And now this is like, to me, this is common sense. They should all be like, hey, somebody's after him. Someone get behind the wheel of this camper and go. So (laughs) the rest of them go into like, I'm not saying you have to be as unethical as Ray, but the rest of them are just like in straight do-gooder mode. And they're like, they're like, it doesn't matter, Ray. We have to get him to the hospital, and we'll deal with that later. Yeah, you're going to deal with that later. So they take off. Again, they're ignoring the idea of, like, hey, he's been shot. Well, you find the cops. You try to run them down, and they're like, fuck you. These, well, are, the, these are the cops from horror movies. Well, the, they, the movie's not horror movie, but they, they brought in the cops the, from horror the, movies because they're useless. Their lights are going off, which means they're going for something. A donut break. Yeah, but they got the... The intercom, and they're like, hey, hey, loud. The cops heard them. They just took off speeding, all right? Yeah, well. But who does, who who is there for them is the bad guys. So I feel like maybe they shouldn't have made so much noise. You lured the bad guys. And actually, that's actually good writing because the idea was, hey, we're trying to get the cops. 
but we actually told the bad guys where, where we're at. Because we all sort of screaming, we have someone hurt in here. So now the bad guy's like, he's in there. Whereas if they didn't do anything, just drove them to the hospital, they may have gotten away because then the bad, why would the bad guys have stopped them? Stopped them? Now, let me ask this. The bad guys in their car. Yes. Their, their Cadillac. Their strategy is we're going to run to this big-ass camper. <laughs> yes. And we're the aggressors, and we're going to just hit the camper, and we're taking over. Yes. Fucking camper. Yes. This could have went really bad for the bad guys. <laughs> I mean... What if the car just bounced off the camper and the camper said, fuck you, and kept driving? I mean, in hindsight, it still is bad <laughs> for the bad guys. Well, yeah, it's true, but... But because it's a movie, it hits the camper and the camper flies into a damn alleyway and tra- they're trapped in the damn little alley thing. And that's when we get a jump scare. Very well done. You know, this is the motherfucker that made Nightmare 5, so, so he, this, he brought some of his horror movies so to do it. I just want to say, this is kind of... Annoying to me for one reason. So Amelia Estevez, Frank, sticks his head out the the thing, looks around, no one's there. The minute he steps foot on the camper deck, all of a sudden a crowbar just flies through the like where the fuck did you come from, dude? Knowing these bad guys, <laughs> it didn't make sense because you're right. He looks around and they're playing it like this is fucking the the, the creeper. Right. You would think like this is some straight super horror movie shit. And yeah, it is just regular human henchmen. Yeah, so how so how did they get there so fast without being seen? I understand not being heard if they if say Emilio didn't stick his head out the window, but yeah. he did. Well, they open the door, they open they crush the window and they take out the dude. They literally just grab him, pull him out. I'm like, yeah. They they didn't know who they were messing with though. It's like what if at that exact moment, like, Ray or Cuba had the gun in their hands? <laughs> they could have shot him. That was pretty bold in the bad guy's part. Mm-hmm. So we get a whole... Well, these bad guys are pretty bold in general, except for the long-haired dude. Well, we find out that the, the guy who got shot has stolen some money from... Fallon. From Fallon, who pulls up in a car and is, of course, the wisecracking Dennis Larry, who makes a good point. Like, what do you want me to do, man? You want me to let you go? How much you want me to, how much was to conduct business on the streets if I let you go? And, of course, he's like, no, you don't have to tell nobody. Bang. And this is the shot her around the world because everybody in the camper is watching. And you get this, the close, the close, of, close of, of all their reactions. Right. Especially John because John the whole time was like, we can't just sit here and let him kill him. He's like, yeah, what are you going to do? Well, <laughs> well, this whole scene is the, the complete end of any idea that John is a badass. I mean, John, John the whole time was showing he's actually compassionate for another human because he, when they first hit the guy, John's like, okay, we got to go out there and find out who we just hit. It wasn't even Frank. It was John. Yeah. And John, while, while he's being um, talked to by Falcon, he, or Fallon, he's in the camera being like, we're not going to do anything, Frank. Not a fucking thing. Right. Like, he wants to get out there and help. And Frank should have just been like the fuck you want us to do when they got guns he, he said it. he was like he was like what's like what do you want us to do like they have guns you have <laughs> we have nothing this right is now not like a, can't even find this is not a, gonna be a fist fight they're gonna shoot you john <laughs> so anyways the then maybe getting shot it triggers cuba's fight or flight because he immediately uh bust the, bust the window it's like let's go um and Amelia has the bright idea. Frank has the right idea to burn the camper. Burn the camper. Blow up the camper because then it could hide where they're running to. And you get a nice comedic moment though. He's like, "Sorry, Ray." <laughs> Ray's like, nah. "Whatever." So he's like, "No." He's like, "That's funny." Frank says, "I didn't mean. I didn't mean that." And Frank's like, or uh, Ray's like, 
Thanks. I'll tell the dealer that. <laughs> well, he doesn't have to tell the dealer after the tonight. <laughs> yeah, so now we get the cat, cat and mouse chase. Where the They're first the scene line. we get to is the train yard. The train yard. Are these the, the same homeless people you think we saw before? Probably. Or is this the whole, the whole city is just littered with homeless This whole people. city seems to be littered with... Because it looks like they're in the projects in this area. Yeah, so they're in the boxcars. But at least these people have somewhere to go to get out of the elements, even though I'm sure it's still cold in there. Yeah. But if they cuddle up together, they'll be warm. They'll survive. Yeah, they're not too nice because these people are just trying to hide there for a few minutes until Fallon walks away. And they almost get away with that. Yeah, but the problem is the homeless people, knowing that they take advantage of the situation... And they're trying to get a watch, some money, everybody's wallets, Cuba's jacket. Because, as he says, I'm a college graduate! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a goddamn college graduate! Yeah, college graduate dude is the one that ruins it for everybody. Also, <laughs> I just want to ask something. You know, so you're giving your wallet to a homeless man. Yep. Homeless man is not going to give a shit about your ID. Nope. So if I'm giving my wallet to a homeless man, the first thing I'm taking out is my ID. It's like, look, you yep. don't need this. This is, this is for me. Yep. You can have the money. You can have the money. You can have the cards. Yeah. I'm taking my damn ID. And the, only, and the only reason I say that me bringing this up is a waste of damn time is because it goes nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, once they gave the wallet, you it made sense what they did with it. They had Fallon shoot the homeless guy because he's he got, wearing Cuba's jacket. Right. And then he picks the ID, and now him just seeing... Frank's ID like seems to trigger him in a real like he's like now has some personal vendetta to catch this guy and kill him because <laughs> yeah, at a certain point maybe they give up their search but once you found the wallet I felt like it was like Frank like or um, Fallon's not quitting tonight until he kills this guy yeah which for me it just seems weird though because now he has a way to get at least Frank out of hiding all he has to do is say, "You come out now, or I'm coming, or I'm going to your home at one nine two two Deadwood Drive." He does sort of do that at the not, end. <laughs> no, no, not as directly, but even when they're in the apartment building, he's going up the stairs and he's calling out. He's like, "Frank, blah blah five 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 Deadwood," and Frank actually up in the apartment is like. How does he have my address? Yeah, How does but, he know my name? Yeah, but, but Fallon never but, 100% said, I'm he, going to your wife. I think he's implying that, hey, I know where you live without saying, I'm going to go rape your wife and kill her. So that might be too much for the movie. So Probably, but it, I still would have maybe had that part and be like, if you're not out in five minutes, I'm not going to open these doors. If you're not out in five minutes, you'll, you'll survive the night. Your family won't. The problem with that is, if let's say that... Okay, let's think about realistically. If that's Fallon's plan, right? He's like, all right, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to your wife's house. Frank's like, well, cool. Hey, 911. Go to my house. Well, they already, the bad guy's on his way. They already cut the phone lines, remember? Yeah, but if he's actually going to his house at a certain point and, and they're free to be let go, there is police in the town. They're going to get to the police station and, and be good. That's what not, police? How many times did they call police in this whole damn movie? <laughs> they can run out of town and find someone. And what I'm saying is... By the time they get there, his wife is dead. I, I don't think and so. And the villains are gone. I, 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 even though, okay, there's different levels of villains, right? Different levels of evil, right? And Fallon, believe it or not, strikes me as he's not this like top-tier villain 
I think he's 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 mean. He's a businessman, but I don't actually see him going and killing his wife. And actually, just made a good point. He's a businessman. How think, many cops does he have in his pocket? I don't think any. He could. I don't think it's, so. It's always maybe, possible. No, no, maybe local in that town, but not stretching to Frank's neighborhood. Because think about uh, Fallon. We get the scene where he comes upon the uh, the other gang who uh, run, the runs that apartment complex. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, he gives the dude money and he, he actually takes him aside and explains to him what's going on. It's like, hey, look, I know if I do this, it makes you look shit. And yada yada, and I think that's a good image of like, you know, he's actually just a smart, reasonable person. Like, these are witnesses. He wants to kill the witnesses, but I don't think he's like a, a serial killer or like anything. Like, he's not killing people randomly. He kills people with a purpose, but I don't think he's like gonna go to suburbia and start shooting neighbors and like that. That would have made um, a good horror movie. Absolutely. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, it's called, it's called Halloween Kills. So. <laughs> It's just without Dennis Lurie, it's Michael Myers. Oh, okay. And I, li- I just like the scene where he's negotiating with the gang member because you don't get that in movies where the villains like need something. It's like there's another villain, per se, which is just like a teenage kid. But I love like, how he's giving him the money. He goes, there's blood on that money. He's like, dude, do you really care at this point? It's still money. A- any store is going to take it. And you can wash the blood off. No, well, okay, you're missing this great line. <clears throat> he said, this money got blood on it. He says, you ever, you ever seen anything that didn't? <laughs> A lot of good lines there. So, anyways, of course, then he gives away them. They're in the apartment building. They go into some apartments. Uh, some one of the they're looking res- for them. One of the residents they- there lets them actually hide there for a second mm. until Ray loses his mind and pulls his gun out. Yeah. I mean, they're already leaving due to the fact that the woman's like, "Okay, they're breaking into the apartments. Y'all got to go." Because I still got a daughter in here. And they're willing to leave. It's just Ray's like, "I'm not going anywhere." The cops and- will be here any second. He's like, dude. For one, y'all didn't even call the cops. You even said, when are the cops going to be here? Because I'm guessing the girl, one of the girls did. Yeah. So you don't even know if they actually call the cops because when you tried, the phone lines are dead because yeah. they got cut. Yeah, this this scene is the beginning of Ray's undoing. This is where he's starting to like not go with the group anymore. He's like losing his mind pretty much and looking at just self-preservation and just giving up, basically. Well, we like, they take a lot to convince him to get the gun over, and you think, for me, that's it, but then... We get, we get to the rooftop this, scene. The roof scene where, yes, it is very dangerous to crawl across the thing on the side of the roof. That's very wiggly. Very wiggly. And what? it ends up breaking when Frank was on it, so Ray really couldn't get on it anymore. I don't know, though. I, I feel like maybe if you stay, though, you're pretty much screwed. Well, so. Yeah, but if that ladder does break under you, you're screwed either way, and you're dying the same way. Wouldn't you rather go by your own accord, though, versus somebody throwing you he off He did the go by his own accord. He knew he was either going to die or he was going to talk them out of killing him. He had a he had a strong chance of winning. It just depended on he didn't he didn't know who he was negotiating with. Right. You're negotiating if he was with- negotiating with Sykes, he would have gotten away. He would have yes. gotten it. Because Sykes was like, when he gave him the watch, he was like, what? All right. And, he, and Sykes was like, you just mentioned money. Right. 90% of bad guys. And I think that's why I'm like, like uh, in his weird way, uh, what's his face? Fallon's a principled person because someone's offering him $200,000 and he's like, I hate fucking people like you. It's like, you've been handed everything, blah, blah, blah. But that's probably, this might be the best scene just because I think the, the first time you watch as the audience, you're kind of like, hey, Maybe he actually negotiated his way out of it. And then he gets pushed off the roof. And they got the little twist there. And big props to Jeremy Piven's scream because his scream was like (laughs) 
chilling. He's like, ah! It felt like believably like he's falling off a roof. And then um, and the, the irony, mic goes out, starts shooting. The irony, though, is that I like how they also showed from their perspective, Mike's trying to shoot the whole time, mm-hmm. and Frank's like, no, you do they kill Ray? <laughs> they'll kill him for sure. And Mike makes the point of like, and if I don't, so that There's makes a 50-50 sense. shot if you don't. <laughs> yeah, as soon as Ray's on the roof, Mike's shooting. He shoots one of the bad guys. Yeah, he does. Just not to death. I, me personally, I probably would have just let him shoot, but I would have told him aim for Fallon. Because yeah, whereas Sykes most likely would have taken over. Mike just started shooting wildly. He wasn't even. Yeah, that. but he wasn't aiming. I'm talking about before they even killed Ray. I would have said. Shoot Fallon. And if you shoot Fallon, the other guys, maybe they still come after you, but it looks like you're cutting the head, the, off, yeah, the head off the snake. Yeah, because Fallon's the smart one. Sykes, he's more in the money. If you shoot Fallon, it's just like, well, now Sykes gets to make the decisions. And do you still want the money or do you want to kill us? And Sykes probably be like, hey, the money, um, <laughs> money uh, you still got $200,000? Right. Um, I guess they just didn't think that Fallon would have still killed him when $200,000 is involved. Yeah. Because apparently Fallon does not give two shits about money when it comes to come well, from someone like Ray. Well, I asked about this before, too. You made a good point when we talked earlier, early in the week, too. It's like, I was at first thinking, like, well, is Ray just bullshitting him on the 200000 And then I'm like, you're like, well, we know he's a con man as the audience. Yes, but also I think maybe he does have like a rich parent or something like that. Yeah, because they even mentioned well, is your dad a stockbroker because now Fallon's trying to figure out where you're going to get this money from. The fight they were going to, didn't they mention they had like like front row seats or like yeah. front row seats? You, you got so somebody, front row seats, you're going to get blood on you. So One of them has money, but I thought yeah. Frank was the one who bought the tickets. Now that I don't know. Yeah, we never really find that out, but I feel like Frank may have been. But those tickets were very expensive. It was like a big pay-per-view fight and it's like front row seats, whatever. So, all right, I don't know, maybe, maybe Ray was just like, hey, fuck, I'll deal with not having the money tomorrow, but let me at least get off the roof right now. <laughs> right. So then we get our sewer scene. Yeah, and this is really, to me, the climax of the movie because... It felt like this is where the climax was going to take place at. Yeah. One thing I didn't understand was they, um, they are in the sewer and they hear the bad guys coming. Mm-hmm. And so John and Frank... Boats are climbing up towards the top. And Mike says something like, there's too much light up there. But if you get I, up there before if, they get back. If we're going to find out later on, like that's actually the exit. Right. You can walk up there, you can go up there and just go back on the streets. So even though Mike's like, I think putting his brain already like, hey, it's time to fight back. Let's take a stand. I mean, he does and, make a good point. There's three exits and three people. I get that. But. He made it seem like they made it seem like the writing is bad writing because they made it seem like oh there's too we can't hide up there there's too much light like no that's the exit that takes you back to <laughs> the street you can't convince me that you're not better off at the top of the street where you can really see everything versus the sewer now look Mike's point is spot on hey we're just gonna keep it in chase let's make a stand three exits the problem is with this three exit thing it's just like it's yeah Mike it's, it's done kind of weird Mike's standing by one exit right. Mm-hmm. And then Emilio is by the other exit. But for some reason, but John... John goes way far behind the other exit and hides behind a thing. Right. So then, coincidentally, uh, the henchman... Sykes. He, he, Sykes comes through the one exit that, that wasn't directly being watched. 
Right. And the weird thing Why, is... What was, how was John going to ever do anything when he was that far away? Right. Well, here's another question. It's like um, <laughs> why didn't Sykes just shoot Mike? I think that... Because I know Sykes I saw the shadow of Emilio in one corner. They, they did a good job, but they showed when Sykes first shows up, he looks around. From his perspective, he doesn't see John or Frank. But he does He's, see Frank's uh, shadow, at least. No, he didn't see anything. He thinks nobody's there. So then he sees Cuba... And I think he's sneaking up on it because he's like, this is too good to be true. But I don't understand why you just didn't shoot him. And I don't, right even, even him. when he gets up to him, I don't understand how he doesn't see Frank coming. It's the or hear it. The, yeah. The, the dumb thing about the scene is that when I think about it, it's like the water's up to like what? Almost waist high? Yeah. You can't move in that water so quickly without making noise and easy and navigate your way around. Um, but thankfully, Frank does. I think he out. swam. I think he just went under and swam all the way over. Like from how they showed the how the thing looked, I just where he was standing. There's no way. Just a slight look in the left, you would see Frank coming from like a mile away. At the very least, a shadow because John's looking right at where. Or Frank you would is definitely shadow. you would definitely hear it. There's no way for him to quickly make his way to the water without a splash. Sound. Right. So, that, so just do that scene over again where you don't establish that – have Frank hiding somewhere we can sneak on him and don't have the water to where it doesn't make sense that he can sneak up on him. Right. But, yeah, so he sneaks up on him, gets the gun, and as Sykes telling him, you don't have the balls, uh, he, you give he, me the gun or I'm going to do to you what we did to your friend Frank, Ray. And the Cuba immediately shoots him, <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is great because you expect some weird struggle where it's like self-defense. Cuba actually murders him. <laughs> It's still self-defense. The, guy, the guy's unarmed and just basically like, hey, he makes a, a verbal threat and Cuba, like, because, kill, kill shot. Well, that's also because he knows that this guy will put his money where his mouth is. It, I still see it as self-defense. It's one story if you don't believe the threat. I'm glad Cuba had the gun because if Frank or John had the gun... Well, John's already frozen. He still didn't even walk up to him until they started leaving. If Frank had the gun, Frank was not going to shoot the guy. Mm-hmm. Frank was going to, like negotiate with him or do something Cuba just took care of him basically alright yeah. we're, we're down one and now we got and now we create this weird tension between um, Frank and John and then with Mike yeah because Mike they, was pissed that Mike John is, didn't do anything because Mike is like hey alright one down let's do the same process get back in your corners let's get the other two which hey at that point it's three against two no, it's three. Oh, it's three. three. Because the uh, long-haired dude still survived that first gunshot. True. And now they have a gun. Maybe Mike's right, though. Maybe you should post up. But how many bullets do you have, though? I'm sure you have at least three. The minute someone po- pokes their head out, bang. Well, the problem with the whole strategy is once it's exposed that that uh, John's scared of shit, that whole, you take one, we all take one thing. Like, obviously, John can't do shit with his side. So. Yeah. And so... All right. Well, they they now we now it's revealed that them going up is just actually the exit. Okay. <laughs> so why don't you just stand at the top of the store and like just wait for them to walk in the room and shoot down them? All right. But well, this is also where we get um in the same sewer before we go up to the to the street. Uh, Fallon does not like yaps. <laughs> he gets this whole yapping monologue as he's drowning this mother. So this was definitely calling on. Hey, Dennis Lurie's a stand-up comedian. Well, let's give him like a fun little 
stand-up comedy type monologue. It's like this guy. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> fucking yep, 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 yep. Yeah, but what I like about this is unlike the whole thing with Ray where you can see he's getting he's getting loud, he's, get, he's yelling, which for some reason with Dennis Leary and getting loud, I didn't buy it. This one where he's not yelling, he's just straight up drowning this guy while calmly well calmly I, but unhinged I out. like that they they slowly built that up because that guy throughout the movie was always saying shit <laughs> he was always like saying stuff and at the end he's just like he's dead because of you foul and it's like what how does that make any sense and, and apparently that guy was his brother I don't know if they I gotta go back and see if they mentioned that like although Sykes was just his best friend Okay. Because I think they said they killed your best friend. Okay, they didn't say brother, right? Yeah, so. Yeah, so we get um, we get uh, Mike now calling Frank boss, and then this weird <laughs> tension between them. But they do actually find a bus. And that bus leaves them. And Mike shoots at them. <laughs> Motherfucker! Like, like, did you really think that was going to stop? Stop the bus? Mike is definitely unhinged at this point. And I, I can see where Frank is now like, yo. We gotta worry about Mike now. He's gone over the edge. Well, so we get to a store where they're all happy that they just made the alarm go off. And why did it take these cops, these security guards, five minutes to get to these two? I really thought by this time that there were either no cops in this town, there was some cops, but that something shady was going on with the cops. Like I said, I'm pretty sure I could have sworn Fallon would have had some in his pocket. It's definitely possible, but... Which is why they you don't see any cops throughout the entire street. It's like, well, it's already has its crime lord, and he's paying us, so I'm not going there. I'll say this: Fallon's willingness to kill these cops shows me that he's all in now. On mm-hmm. he's like, yo, fuck this, I'm all in tonight on getting these suckers. And most likely, he didn't have no security guards as in his pocket if he does have cops. No, his willingness to murder these people—that that's like, well, he's all in. Um, the whole story scene then, I liked it a lot. Um, I like Mike has like uh, the thing of like just wanting to sacrifice himself. He's like he has a good line about, "Hey, you have a family. All I got is you." Mm. Um, and he gets into a gunfight with uh, goon number two, Cypress Hill guy. So, yep, and he kills him, but he gets shot in the process. And it, this- it was it was well done because I thought I thought he's probably gonna die. Yes, yeah, I I was like up. Oh. Saw that coming. So, when's John going to die? Because I felt like Frank was the only one going to walk out of this alive. I thought they were building towards that for sure. But I did like the the, the dynamic at the end of like... When uh, when Fallon's in the room and they're in the closet. Mm-hmm. That was fun because, you know, they're fucked if he actually opens that closet door. Oh, yeah. And then this is when we get our climax. Frank's calling for Fallon. Fallon runs for him. And then Frank starts strangling him with a belt. Yep, and and the fact is, overall in this fight scene, which again is this fight scene is really nothing to write home about. This is not a. I mean, it's, this is not Jet Li versus Mel Gibson. Normal, damn cover, but. It's your normal uh, thriller-based fight scene. The characters yes. don't martial arts fight, but they are fighting to kill each other. Yes, and we get the classic, you know, the villain's winning, so he starts randomly talking shit instead of actually finishing the job. Right. Uh, you know, talking about his wife and talking about what's he, what he's going to do. And this is just too late to be throwing in that you're going to, that you are going to go kill his wife. Like, this is way too late to be bringing this up now. Well, not only that, but you have to understand the, forget that, he's thinking about his child, right? Yeah. And it's still too the, late to be throwing The maternal this instinct, <laughs> it's like, you give that dude like a big adrenaline boost when you, let's say he's just getting his ass kicked. He's like, uh, then he's like, by the way, I'm going to, 
fuck your wife and kill your child. And that's when he gets up. That's and when he's like, on. he's like, yeah, this dude was crazy. That's the Emilio that I want to see. That's the Frank that Mike was talking about earlier because mm-hmm. he whoops his ass now. And now, unfortunately for Fallon, he's a dead man. I still think it's funny. Fallon's just covered in blood because Frank was already even before he gets his adrenaline boost was they were going blow for blow for a second there. Yeah. Fallon's bloody and he goes. Did you really think you hurt me? I was like, well, let's see. There's one cut, one cut. One. You're hurt at least in three places. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when Fallon, Fallon finally falls to his death, I'm glad they didn't do I thought they were going to do like the, the false thing where like he's still alive and he mm-hmm. comes back. I was like, he's even being, he probably broke his neck. Like he's dead. Let him be dead. Well, another thing that's fun that I think is just weird is when Frank gets him in that spot, he goes, well, are you going to help me? And, and Frank's like. <laughs> Frank's dumbass actually. <laughs> Tries to help him and Fallon's like this fucking idiot. He tries to pull him down. Uh, at Come that on, point, man. At that point, they should have just had Fallon take them both, and both of them die. At that point, he's like, you "Yes, because you deserve that." You should have had uh, Fallon laughing his ass off as he pulls him off, and they both fall, and just have him like laughing like the Joker on the way down. As they, yeah, and like I said, both of them die. <laughs> you fucking deserve that. <laughs> I, it's hard to believe that after all that, that Frank, Frank is still, still like <laughs> offering the helping hand. Like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna help you out. Like, what? If you saved him, what do you think is going to happen? He's that? just going to... He's going to try to kill you again. <laughs> um, and even Fallon's like, how do you do the right thing? Man. So, in the aftermath, we, of course, have to establish that... Mike's alive. Mike and John are both going to be okay. Uh, They're Mar- not going to hang out anymore, even though Mike well, wants to. <laughs> Mike wants to go to this game next week, and and then Frank's like, nope, I'm back in the house. Mm-hmm. And, and John's like, nope, I'm not coming out. So, maybe this friendship group is ruined, but... I have to say, they're being very casual, but I think when they wake up the next day, they're going to be like, oh, that, that was tough. But they got, like, Ray actually died. <laughs> I hope Amelia, Frank is always like telling the cops, like, hey, his body's over there. <laughs> right. Like, the next week should probably be the funeral. Like, they're like all like, Mike's somewhere like, yeah, I'm going to the, the, the football game next week. I'm like, the only effect of this long term is your friend died. <laughs> like, I feel like, I almost feel like, well, we'll talk about the categories because I feel bad for Ray because only big consequences here is him dying. Right. So you got kind of the sword on the stick with that's why the kinda, rest of them surviving. It feels kind of cheap. But. Like, that's why I kind of think that Mike should have died. Well, we'll talk about it. I think someone else should have died, but not Mike. We'll talk about it in a minute. Mm. But, I, but I do think that them talking about the football game and all that's like, like I said, when you wake up the next day, you gotta be like, hey, when's Ray's funeral? It's like, <laughs> it's very serious shit that hasn't really occurred to them yet or they just don't, they want to give like the happy bow on the top ending. But we get our, our great song of course playing and we hit the credits and uh, so now we're at our credits which is categories yes sure best performance this is tough man i love everybody in the movie and i got like three choices in my head and man you know what though but talking to you earlier in the week about it like you kind of convinced me that i wouldn't initially said cuba i always like cuba but I almost wanted to go like Dennis Leary at first because he's never been a villain. So it's like a whole different role for him. But I'm going to go Cuba because I do think he actually gets to show a lot of range in his mm-hmm. role. But yeah, he has to go from tough guy to crazy to realizing he's gone crazy and coming back to Earth. So he does, he does actually, it's, it's one of Cuba's better performances, honestly. Yeah, I'm definitely going with Cuba, too, for the same reasons. This movie is, de- was, this role was definitely meant for Cuba Gooding Jr. And with his, the way he acts, his acting range. And this movie most likely showed, hey, he can't act, so let's put him in other genres other than the typical 
black dude in a hood movie. You know, you should talk about also what you're telling me about the um, the different reactions, fight or flight. Mm-hmm. You should talk about that. That's a good yeah, so observation. One of the things I mentioned is uh, pretty much you get your three reactions to a situation like this. You get fight, flight, which is what everyone talks about, but you also get frozen in fear. Yes. In a sense, Ray was the frozen because uh, throughout the whole movie, you see that he's just getting to the point where he's said in multiple different scenes, go on without me. I can't make it. Yep. At this, in a sense, he is frozen in fear, especially when he realizes the bad guys are right behind him. The damn thing just broke in front of his face that he's like, I'm not making it through this. I'm too fat. Throws the ladder down, tries to negotiate, which can be another form of it. But because he froze, he practically died. Right. Then you got flight, which is what John showed more of. Because yep. the whole, even though he had that one instance that he froze before going after Sykes, the whole movie he just refused to stay put. Yeah, he, he knew if he stood put, he's dead. And we have uh, fight, Frank. which is Mike. Well, Mike is definitely fight. And then you get, and then you get uh, Frank's character, who's in a sense fight and flight. He would run when need. He'd run most of the movie, but he would fight when needed. Yeah, and and so you need basically. My point was that you need both Mike and Frank's reactions combined together make for a good team. Because with Mike, you might be hot headed and go too far, but Frank kind of brings you back down to to earth, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, worst performance. It's not a knock on him, but I'm gonna go Amelia Estevez just because. He's kind of just playing like a generic do-gooder, good guy role. And in that role, he doesn't get to like have any kind of character development, really. He's just, he does in a way, basically, and he comes back and he has this moment where he's like angry again and he's like, he's the old Frank, but it's kind of like generic 90s good guy role. Um, he got through all the last second. I feel like I can imagine, he feels the most replaceable. I can, I can imagine... 100 different actors playing that role and, and doing it well. Sean Connery. Uh, shout out also to his wife, who I just didn't like her in that opening scene. <laughs> she didn't seem likable to me. But <laughs> So for me, the worst performance was the cops. Oh, of, yeah. So out of everybody in this movie, I know the cops only had five minutes, but even if you get five minutes in a movie, you should still show some form of acting. You're telling me these cops just come there Oh, yeah, we found your wallet. We think you may have dropped it over there. You're telling me Frank didn't tell him that, yeah, the bad guy had my wallet this whole damn situation. Uh, you're telling me, oh, hey, my, hey, uh, what's your face? Your wife's here. It's like nonchalant that I'm pretty sure most likely would have went over everybody's head if you didn't. Just right. the, all the cops, the EMTs. I'm sorry. If I was an EMT, uh, hearing some of the reactions of these three characters together, I probably would have been laughing a little. It's like you just went through this, and the first thing you're thinking of is the Bears game, <laughs> right? Um, all right, let me think. What's the next category? Uh, best scene. Best scene for me probably is that rooftop scene with um, with Ray and Fallon because it has the most tension. Because as we're gonna find out, basically, this is actually the only scene in the movie where someone actually died. So mm. it was like kind of like there was a lot at stake here, and it's just a, a good. It was well written dialogue between the two, and then very well acted between uh, 
Jeremy Piven and Dennis Lurie. Um, the movie does become repetitive because there are a lot of scenes, like kind of just running type scenes. Oh, there's so, there all three. You got three major scenes. They all exactly the same, pretty much. You got yeah. Once they get out of the camper, you got the train yard scene. They they run to the train yard. They hide. Then they run to the apartment. They hide. They run to the store. Uh, the sewers. They, they decide to fight back. back. But that's the only difference. But then they run again. <laughs> and then they run. So, and then they get to the store. They it, hide when they realize that's not going to work no more. Then it, they fight back. It's a chase movie, and it's kind of like. It's kind of like I feel like how I felt about Cry Wolf, where it's like there's not so many scenes that stand out. It's more of the collective movie itself. But that rooftop scene was just was solid. And even like when I um, when you look at the movie on YouTube, that's the one scene that has tons of views. People go back and watch that one scene. It's the most popular scene in the movie by far. So, so to be honest, I'm giving it to the same scene. It's intense. Fallon. The only thing I didn't care too much for was Fallon just. Dennis Leary just getting loud. Like, we already see you can get... You can show anger without being loud. And for some reason, when Fallon got loud, it kind of took me... It felt like he wasn't even Fallon anymore. Because that was the only right. time he gets loud the whole movie. Yep. So He got under his skin. It's just... It just feels weird, but I still give it to that scene because it is intense. And you're and, wondering... And by the way, if Fallon didn't have his temper... Maybe he would have taken the 200k offer. Yeah. Because his henchmen clearly were like, oh, shit. Yeah. Exactly. And then you got, you know, because this is also where Mike is slowly starting to get to the point where he's just going to say, fuck it, we need to kill him. And I honestly thought Mike at one point was going to screw everything up and just shoot one of them before Ray gets thrown off the roof. Right. Even with Frank there, you know, I feel like Mike would have just done it. <laughs> Yeah, true. Which, again, if he shot and killed Valen there, the movie probably would have been over because Sykes most likely would have been like, I'll take that 200 grand. It'd, it'd been a good twist. <laughs> oh, he actually shot Valen. <laughs> this movie started 45 minutes ago. Valen's dead. Yep. So, uh, worst scene. Um, I I think that when I rewatched it, I think them hiding in the, the, the boxcars, the trains. Mm-hmm. I would actually just remove that whole sequence. I understand that in hindsight, the whole point was him to get the, the ID. Right. But I just find the interaction with the homeless people to be annoying. And I don't understand why Fallon, for the first time, doesn't just open up each door and look at each thing. After he's, he said he was going to. He's, he's walking by and just says, hey, I'm just thinking they're probably not here. I'm going to leave. And then he hears noise and comes back. But if it's that serious, why wouldn't you just open each door anyways and just check? So I, that didn't make sense to me. And then... For me, it's the opening. I just... Oh. I don't know why. I just have an issue with somebody telling another person, especially one you're supposed to love and respect. No, you're not allowed to go out with your friends. They're pieces of shit. Or, you know, again, they make Frank almost unlikable because... I've been trapped in this house for three months ever since we had this baby. I need to get out. It's like, well, what do you think she's been going through? Most likely, she's the one getting up every night when the baby's crying to feed him. Right. Uh, how many diapers have you changed? When does she get to go? Does she get to go out for a weekend after you come back home? Uh, and, what's and going on here? And also, you have to think, like, what's the purpose? <laughs> Is the purpose to make us feel bad for her or make us feel bad for I don't feel bad him? for either of them. I, I just I, feel like this I, is a I, bad relationship. I see both sides, but I feel like that being a problem, and I don't like that ultimately she's like, your friends are mature, and this is a bad idea. And let's be honest, after what happened, 
he's never going out again. He's never leaving the house. <laughs> he learned he learned his lesson. There will be no guys' night outs anymore. Plot twist: Fallon is this woman's uh, brother. Oh, there you go. Uh, the only no. reason Fallon doesn't mention it is because. He doesn't want the relationship to end because she actually likes him. So instead, Fallon tries to kill the friends, but was going to leave Frank alone. Fan fiction. <laughs> this, is what, this is why we can't have. This is why we. This is why we can't have nice things. All right. Well, okay. Well, let's to keep track of the predator. Uh, the tremors are predators um, from from the planet. Predator worms. Um, I don't even remember what you said about Scream last week. I don't even want to bring it back up again. But That uh, damn uh, ghost face was a hitman, and the reason the ending ki- the ending reveal of the killers being now no- not able to kill anybody is because they're not actually the killers, but ghost face is a hitman that they hired, so now they got to play the part because um, hit- ghost face loved. I'm, I'm so happy you reminded me. And now that, <laughs> that, 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 Fallon is this girl's brother. Yes. Um, so, um, how do you think she? He knew she was Italian, because he's Italian too. <laughs> so, what I would change? There's two things I would change. Oh, there, there's one thing I would change. So for me, there's two things. One thing is we definitely should have found out more about Frank and John's fr- relationship and why they're strange as brothers and why they have some kind of tension. They dropped that at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. The other thing for me. I do feel, I feel like, okay, it's kind of cheap that Ray's only going to die, right? You have to kill someone else, right? If the final fight is going to be Frank versus Fallon, and obviously Frank is being pushed to the edge, I'm killing his little brother <laughs> and adding the, the highest stakes then. I'm killing Steven Dorff. He's the second death scene. I don't know how you do it. I don't. I didn't figure that plot out. That's for people doing the fan fiction. But I'm having Steven Dorff die also. Yeah, you can kill Cuba, and that's a predictable thing to do. But I'm killing Steven Dorff and having Frank lose his little brother and now think, oh, my God, the only family I have left is my wife and my baby. And now the stakes are heightened. Make the sacrifice, director, writer. So, Let Steven Dorff die. So... I guess technically I would change two things. It depends on what what would have been changed if I wrote it. The first, I well, kind of already... There would be predators and tremors and a no. lot of things. So, Killer clowns, probably. No. So first, I kind of already talked about it. You know, if you still had Frank versus Fallon and Frank decided to be the dumb one to try and help Fallon, I would have had Fallon and Frank both fall and die. Just because Frank did that stupid-ass bullshit. That would have been one change, but if they decided to go with his next change, you didn't need that. Frank gets injured or dies, and then John has to get over his fear and finally fight Fallon one-on-one because Cuba's still hurt. But Frank dies, and then John fights him. I'm down with that if they... And then we get... If they they give John more development, basically. I feel like they keep him really as like a side character, and they don't let him actually... Get, you don't get a deep dive in him the way you do with even like Mike. Mm. So you got to build him up more if you're going to give, give him like the final fight, I feel like. so. Yeah, but still, I and then we can finally just see where he goes crazy, finds a vampire, gets bitten, and becomes Deacon Frost. There you go. I, I, got, a, I got a fun scenario. <laughs> we go completely crazy. We kill the brothers. We have Ray and Mike as the last two at the end. That's just a weird dynamic. That sounds interesting, though, doesn't it? Yeah. But we kill could, the brothers. But it could still work because Ray would be the brains, whereas Mike would be the strength. Oh, together? you got That's that's brains and brawn right there. Yeah. That would work. 
But you gotta you gotta kill off Amelia. That's that's. I'm fine thing. with that. I'm good with that too. Right, he can go back to uh, coaching the ducks, and then get taken off when he doesn't get vaccinated. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, my final thoughts. Listen, I I gotta be honest. The soundtrack is pretty damn good, so I would listen to the soundtrack. But this is one of those underrated movies from the 90s that nobody talks about, nobody's seen. So I wanted to bring it up because I've always I've always wanted to discuss it, but it didn't quite quit the it didn't quite fit the let's watch a B movie um, brand. But now as the movie fellas, we can start doing more thrillers and animated movies from the 80s called Land Before Time, and <laughs> hopefully not that. So, anyways. Um, for me, you know, I go back and forth. For me, it's three stars, but I can respect also the idea that it's two and a half stars. It depends because for me, it's like, I'm not going to lie. I'm like with this, how Nick is with Hocus Pocus. I have like a nostalgic attachment to this guy I saw when I was a little kid. Um, but from an enjoyment standpoint, I got to go three stars from the enjoyment standpoint. Um, the movie has plot holes for sure, and it is kind of... It almost wears out its welcome at the end because you start to get redundant with all the chase scenes. But it's just short enough. It does wrap up. It wraps up at least quickly enough to where it doesn't get too redundant at the end. Um, Did you just say this movie was short? You do know it's about the same length as Scream 5, right? No, well, the Scream... It's an hour and 50 minutes. Scream 5 was short too, so... No, it felt short. This one felt like an hour and 50 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> well, Land Before Time felt like three hours, so... Land Before Time felt like an hour. Um, what I mean is that at least it wraps it up before they add in five more chase scenes, all right? So, <laughs> so um, I'm going to settle. Actually, I'm going to settle with two and a half stars. I'm going to say for me, if you added my bias to three stars, but I can see where there are some holes in it. But it's still a very fun movie to watch, and that's the bottom line. So, so for my final thoughts, char- the characters. Oh, okay, by the way, I got to say such a great cast. I love the cast in this movie. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> ah, shit! <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not with, with the bright light. <laughs> I'm going to pack up my Oh, why did you do that? Because KBC has it. Wouldn't that be a good thing? All right, yeah. Is that better? Yes, actually. Right. It's not right in my face. <laughs> so, final thoughts for me. The cast was good, minus the cops. Oh. <laughs> I mean, what cops, really? <laughs> Cast was good. Score was actually pretty good. The lighting could have been better, but a lot of scenes, it still worked for the situation. And it added a lot, good amount of tension to it. The suspense scenes were pretty good. The villain did a good job. Over, uh, Unfortunately, I just cannot get over all these chase scenes. It's very repetitive. I, I agree with that. Every scene is exactly the same. You run, hide, run, hide, run, hide. And event. The, the plot needed more. Uh, towards the second half of the movie, the plot needed some like new developments. Mm. Uh, John and Frank's relationship didn't get built up for whatever they tried to set up in the beginning scene. There wasn't really that much stakes because only one character died. If they had a second death, there probably would have been more. There were, there were stakes for Ray. <laughs> yeah, that stake was a broken ladder. <laughs> so, overall, I'm actually going to give this movie a two. It's a fun little thing to watch every now and then, but I'm probably not going to buy it. So, overall, everybody, as usual, you do not have to get it, go home, but you got to go home and go to sleep. All right, folks, and rem- remember, remember also, folks, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, Movie Fellas. 
all our episodes are there in full and please leave feedback and comments and we appreciate all your support and if you leave no feedbacks we will get jeremy to come after you yes and but not his mom not his mom no all right folks until next week you take care thanks so much